Hey, what's up, my friends? Welcome back to the Pilgrimage Podcast. My name is Joshua Luke Smith. If this is your first time, welcome, welcome, welcome. This is a podcast for the curious, creative, and contemplative souls. We like getting into the deep waters on this podcast. We like talking about what it means to be here, what it means to live fully, what it means to have joy, what it means to search, what it means to seek. And um, I'm excited to have you with us. We are, we're starting something new today. So this is a good time to join us if you're coming for the first time. If not, welcome back. But today I want to launch a new series, a 10-part series. It's called The Kingdom Is Yours. And I'm going to share more about that in a minute. Before I do, let me tell you about some things I'm very excited about. I'm very excited about the fact that last month we set out to crowdfund my debut album. And we did it. And when I say we did it, I mean we did it, not I did it, we did it. I want to make an album with the people I'm making it for and I can't believe that in a month we raised over 10,000 pounds to make this record and so I'm at work man, I'm doing it, I'm writing, I'm recording. If you want to get involved in that project still, you weren't able to uh, sign up and you want to, The Pilgrimage Co is the platform that really brings the community of people that listen to this podcast together it supports the podcast and other things that i do and for anyone who signs up to the pilgrimage co uh this month you're automatically getting put on the list to receive two of the rewards from the album one of them which is uh the process which is the kind of behind the scenes all access uh invitation into making the album uh as well as the retreat i'm doing a retreat this year and um it's online it's digital but it's a retreat nonetheless i'm gathering whoever wants to join me and we're going to be talking about spirituality creativity and i just i can't wait man i cannot wait so if you want to get involved in uh supporting the record and you want to get involved in some of these rewards then you can just sign up to the pilgrimage co uh you can do that at thepilgrimage.co uh and uh get involved with the work i'm doing and a little bit more access to some some more resources around the conversations that we have on this podcast so if you want to get involved you can sign up i love you guys i mean that i appreciate you all so much I'm so excited to get into this series. So without further ado, this is the Pilgrimage Podcast Season 2, The Kingdom is Yours, Part 1. Let's do this. Yes. So this time last year, uh, yeah, it was around October, I launched a series called The Joy of Discipline. It was 10 parts. And we ran it to the end of the year. And um, I just love doing it. I love going on that kind of extensive, you know, deep journey with you guys, not just sort of one-off episodes, but really building something um, that we could journey together. And you know what? I just started feeling the rumblings to do it again, to go on a journey together and to dig deep into what it means to be here and what it means to live fully, uh, because you can never get enough of that good stuff. And so we're going to do that. Um, I, I'm going to be sharing... I'm going to be sharing thoughts that have been, I've been chewing on for months now. I have been investigating, contemplating, meditating upon for months. And this series that we're launching into, and I mean this, I'm not just saying this, this this series has changed my life. Um, Mine and my wife, Kara's life. We have, we've been uprooted by the content, the, the, the conversation I'm going to share with you and replanted. 
we have had mindsets changed. We have had our practical outworkings of life reshuffled from how we spend our time to what we eat. I mean, this this series for me is yeah has been has been life changing. And so let's dive in. This this is called the kingdom is yours and this comes from a a a series of teaching that jesus did two thousand years ago on the on the on a mount on a mountainside it's called the sermon on the mount and uh it specifically it's called the beatitudes this teaching within a bigger teaching that jesus did and uh if you're new to the podcast here welcome don't be put off by the fact that i just said jesus you're not in sunday school don't worry we have conversations on this podcast really about what it means to be human. And you have heard me say this many times over the years, but when I look at the life of Jesus, I see the purest image of what it means to be human. You know, often we talk about Jesus and it's synonymous with uh, Christ, you know, Jesus Christ and the divinity of Jesus and the religion that is wrapped around Jesus, Christianity. But, you know, if you kind of just pause for a second and you allow yourself to get rid of the cultural connotations and the, I don't know, the dogma and the, the, the baggage that surrounds that name of Jesus, you're left with a man who spent time on this earth and taught a whole new way of living. And then at the end of his time teaching, he was killed. But it didn't end there. The story goes on to say that three days later, he rose from the dead. And as he rose in his resurrection, there was this affirmation, this validation of everything that he had taught. So his resurrection revealed that everything he said before his death would stand the test of the time, stand the test of time and was worth receiving, believing and and living out. And so I I read the Bible daily because I am on this quest. I have this insatiable appetite. I'm on this quest to know what it means to be human. I don't think that we are just human. I think we're becoming human. You know, that's why when someone says, oh, I'm only human or, you know, they're only human. I think it's a distortion of the way we see ourselves. We are human, which means we are made in the image of divine goodness and purity and expectation we're made with an unlike capped potential and so when we say we're only human we're degrading the very definition of what it means to be human so when i read the life of jesus throughout the gospels i am learning oh so to be human is to be compassionate is to be graceful is to be disruptive when it's time to disrupt a system that is inherently oppressive or destructive so when i get into this series please if you're here and you're like man i just i can't i can't buy into something that's got jesus and the bible in there just just go with me let's see where we get to with this you know because this series is um this is series is really about going back to what what was originally true about us? What was originally true about being human and, uh, and rediscovering some of that gold? So I want to break down initially just, just the starting point. Where, where does this come from and where, did, where does this series take us? So the, I'm going to be reading from a, from a short piece of scripture over the next 10 weeks from the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 5. If you go there in the scriptures, you'll see it says the Sermon on the Mount, and it is literally just that. It's a sermon. It's a spiritual conversation. It's relatable, and yet it's lofty, 
And um, Jesus, it says, just before we get into the Beatitudes, it says, Jesus, seeing the crowds, went up onto the mountain and he sat down. His disciples came to him and then it says he opened his mouth. So you got a picture at Jesus, this kind of ragamuffin street preacher, ex-carpenter from Nazareth is walking around and he sits down. There's a crowd of people and he begins teaching. And this first episode is called Manifesto because I believe what Jesus goes on to teach is a manifesto for living a full life. A manifesto for living a full life. And it's basically individual phrases um, that just like you can read so quickly and move by, but all you can pause on each one and feel the weight and the gravity that each phrase has and the manner in which it can lead you into a whole new way of seeing the world and ultimately living, leading you into living a full life. Jesus said in, in, the, in the Gospel of John, he said, I've come to give you life in abundance. And that word abundance is a Greek word. Uh, the word is parisos. And it means that which exceeds your in that, that which exceeds what you anticipate, that which goes beyond your expectations. So when we talk about Jesus and we talk about what Jesus taught, it's under that umbrella. I've come to give you a life that goes beyond what you've expected and anticipated. Is there anybody listening to this? It's like, yes. I would like that. I'm kind of sick of living with my own expectations because so often my expectations are formed by my disappointments. I'm so sick of living just by what I anticipate because what I anticipate is often defined by my past. I want to live in a way where I'm expecting. I want to live in a way where I'm anticipating something of such goodness and such beauty that I can't wait to wake up in the morning. I can't wait to get out of bed and think, I get to live this day. Does anybody feel that? And if you do, you've come to the right place because the Beatitudes is the guide. The Beatitudes is the manifesto. Five verses into the book of Matthew and we're landed with such a powerful, poignant, potent, provocative statement of how we can live our lives. Um, it's 2020. It's been a crazy year. It's been a difficult year. Now more than ever, we need to reevaluate how we live. Now more than ever, we can see the systems and the structures around us that just don't work. The places that we put our faith in that have just crumbled as they've been revealed to have been built on sand this year, you know? And so I'm so excited that we might go back to these ancient truths and bring with us a manifesto and a way of living now, here and now. Um, I'm going to read them. I'm going to read the Beatitudes. And then I'm going to circle back and just give some, some bigger sort of overall thinking around it. And the next week we're going to jump in verse by verse. So this is, uh, yeah, this is Matthew 5. And uh, verse 1 says, Seeing the crowds, he went up to the mountain. And he sat down and his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and he taught them saying, ready? He taught them. They're all sitting around. And this is what he says. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others persecute you and utter evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice, be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Oh man, I can't wait to get into each one of these phrases line by line. It's just, it's the best. It's poetry, it's preaching, it's life-changing. Before we do that, I want to talk about this phrase, the kingdom is yours. What do we mean by that? Where are we going? Well, a kingdom is something that Jesus spoke of throughout the years that he was preaching and teaching. And the book of Matthew, which is the book that I've just read from, um, more so than any of the other gospel accounts, really expands on what this kingdom is, that it, the word is used in the gospel of Matthew more than any other. And we get a bit more of an insight of what it is that Jesus is talking about when he talks about the kingdom. Throughout his ministry, throughout his work, Jesus spent much of his time healing people and he spent much of his time meeting and eating with people that society had in every respect um, given up on. And, you know, Jesus saw the gold in dark places. Jesus saw where there was an opportunity for restoration and redemption. And that's part of why I'm so captivated by Jesus. That's partly why I'm so enamored by his teaching is because he not only reveals, you know, how to live fully, but how to actually bring others into that fullness. And in the, in the chapter four, just before this book, chapter five kicks off, we learn that Jesus leaves the place where he was, he was residing in, in Nazareth and he goes to a place um, where it, it wasn't predominantly Jewish. So actually in, in, the, in the gospel, in Matthew chapter four, it says, where he went was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, fulfilling that prophecy. He went to the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. And it's in that context that Jesus starts speaking these Beatitudes. It's in the context where I'm going beyond the, I'm going beyond the borders of my comfort. I'm going beyond the borders of my religion and my tribe. I'm going beyond, you know, where people expect me to go to bring this message because there is no place, there is no corner of this earth that I will fail to redeem. That's Jesus, you know? And uh, verse 17, just before he launches into the Beatitudes, it, it says, he, he goes into these places and he says this phrase, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here and it's right now. And this word repent, again, is, is a word that people are put off by. You know, it's a word that I definitely heard growing up that I felt was just, you know, heavy. It was a, it was a baggage word. It was a word that just spoke to me of not being enough, not doing enough and needing to change everything that I am because, you know, that's what you got to do if you want God to love you. And if you want to be, if you want to be pure, you got to repent, you know. And what I realize is repentance really hasn't got anything to do with just changing your behavior and just not doing certain things. Repent comes from this Greek word. It's this word metanoia, and it means literally to turn around. So whenever you hear the word 
or read the word repent, really you can just change it with this phrase, turn around, you know. He says, turn around for the kingdom is here. The kingdom is at hand. Turn around. And I think all of us in one way or another can relate to something in our lives that we we feel yeah, we feel agreement with. Yeah, I think I think turning away from that might be might be right. You know, be it as something as kind of as as small as acts of selfishness that we're aware of in our life, you know, just selfish behavior that we're beginning to see is isn't good and doesn't prosper us or those around us. Or beyond that, it could be, you know, the you know, ways that we see the world in a much vaster kind of manner repent turn around because the kingdom is here Jesus taught us to pray and when he taught us to pray it was with a phrase may your kingdom come father he was speaking to 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 his father may your kingdom come and we've grown up with that phrase you know let let your kingdom come but really what echoes after we say that phrase is let my kingdom go when Jesus says repent for my kingdom is is here what he's saying is the way that you live defined by your own kingdom has to go so that my kingdom can come. And it is difficult to define the kingdom, you know, just to say, well, this is the kingdom of God. One of, one of the phrases I love that I've heard is the kingdom of God is the eternal state of things. The kingdom of God is how we were always created to live. The kingdom of God is everything that God had in mind for humanity and Jesus is here to restore it. So when we talk about a kingdom in many respects we're talking about going home, we're talking about going back, we're talking about receiving our original goodness, we're talking about receiving what has always been truest about us. You know the Garden of Eden is this beautiful picture of God creating the earth and creating humanity. And in this place of creation, it says man and woman dwelt together with God, you know, in this perfect harmony. And it says that they were naked and they were unashamed. And so when I think about the beginning, when I think about how we were always created to live, it is without shame and it's with perfect unity between each other and with God, the divine spirit that permeates everything, right? And I want to live there again. I want to go back there. And I honestly believe that if we were to receive what it is to live in that place free of shame and in pursuit of absolute unity with one another, we just wouldn't have the problems that we face on a daily basis. So much of man's issues come from our, our desire to hide, our desire to run away, our desire to be, to be only known for our successes, only known for the manner in which we feel most confident and strong and dominating and as a result oppressive of others you know and so the beatitudes is really a returning to that state of simplicity and purity um, because it's a evoking of the kingdom I, I love this idea that the kingdom is the kingdom is a really big picture <laughs> to live in the kingdom is to have a really big picture of the way things work and the way things exist so often in our own micro kingdoms that we build for ourselves we live in a very small picture we live in a picture that has been created by our 
our culture and our tribes and our religions and our educations and our race and we we build these small pictures and then if something doesn't fit in that picture we reject it or you know or at least we're we're confused by it we're afraid of it and so we push it away and so when Jesus talks about his kingdom he's saying I'm bringing a whole new way of seeing things a much bigger picture where you realize there is there is no in and out you know there is no us and them there is no separation there is only union and I've come to fully restore that I've come to fully bring that into the psyche of the human you know and so that's why it says Jesus declared the good news the gospel this is the gospel that word is used throughout throughout the uh, the New Testament and the gospel just literally means good news because isn't it good news to believe that you could live free of shame and you could live inclusive of everyone who might appear so different to you on the outside that you could live in such a way that it feels like heaven is on earth and so the kingdom that Jesus talks about is for here and now he's not talking about a faraway place when he says the kingdom is at hand that the whole image of that is the kingdom is right beside you so it's so important that when we talk about the kingdom and we pray you know let your kingdom come with it we're acknowledging something has to go that for something to exist here and now within us there needs to be room and the beatitudes in many respects is about making room when jesus said blessed is it's a really interesting pathway to recognize what the good life actually is and so often it's not the way in which we fashioned our world to exist it's not the way that we think happiness is defined or success is defined and so when when jesus says blessed are these people he's not saying simply these people are happy he's saying these people have found what it means to live in my kingdom and not just their own it's not just that they're happy it's that they're holy they found the most wholesome way to live they found the way that benefits not just them but benefits others they found a way to live now within the eternal state of things Jesus gets asked throughout the gospels how do you inherit eternal life and his answers aren't about living forever they are about that but they're not just about that they're also about how we live now like we're living forever it's not just how do you live forever so what's the way that I can what's the formula so that when I die I don't actually die it's no 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 it's how do you live in abundance now? How do you live in such a way that your life couldn't be contained when you die? It's going to spill over and it's going to keep going. Jesus' message, Jesus' teaching, Jesus' healing is all about being ready to live in the kingdom forever that is already here. It's as if he's saying, if you want to live in this kingdom forever, start living in it now because then you'll be really ready to live in it for forever, you know, as if we can begin living in the eternal state of things right now in that big picture of what it means to be human. And so looking at Eden is looking at the original plan, the original image, the kingdom in its purest form, right? Just beautiful unity. And when I think about that picture and I think about the beatitudes where the beatitudes are taking us i think of uh, i think of a statue i, I think of uh, david by michelangelo and it's this i mean you've seen it it's this incredible carving sculpture of king david absolutely naked 
And the thing about that statue, which really connects me to the Beatitudes, to the Garden of Eden, to this idea of the kingdom, is that the statue was carved out of one block of marble. And it's a crazy story, but it was this huge towering block of marble that they actually called the giant. And there was two um, sculptors before Michelangelo who attempted to carve David out of the rock and they struggled, they couldn't. And it was 26 year old Michelangelo who carved David out of the stone. Um, Leonardo da Vinci even gave it a shot or at least was asked to do it. But yeah, it was 26 year old Michelangelo who carved David out of the stone. And there's something about that image that speaks to me of this. We have within us an original goodness, an original self, an original way of living and seeing the world. And as time has gone on, it's as if the stone around us has become so formed and so defined that we can no longer see the, the particular, the uniqueness, the beauty of ourselves, but just the baggage and the weight that surrounds us. And as we dive into the Beatitudes, as we dive into the, the teachings of Jesus, we are restoring the statue within the stone because the statue was always in there, right? It was always in the stone. We couldn't see it, but it was always in there. And there's something in you that has always been there of absolute, undistracted, undivided, not distorted goodness, pure goodness, undefined by what you've done and what's being done to you goodness and you might have lost sight of it for a while but these teachings these step-by-step -step phrases by jesus will restore us at least to have the vision that it might just be true there's a book i'm gonna just read a quote from that i just love um eknath eswaran who's a indian mystic teacher and uh he wrote a book called original goodness which i love and uh he says and he says for if goodness is our core goodness that can be hidden but never taken away then goodness is not something that we have to get we don't have to figure out how to make ourselves good all we have to do is remove what covers the goodness that is already there oh man there's a statue in the stone and that's what we're going after right because if that's true then we should investigate because it has the opportunity to not just change us but genuinely change the world you know and what we're going after here is we're going after what does it mean to live this life, to live this spiritual life? There is something in you, that original goodness, that original core, there's something in you that will only be satisfied by the pursuit of a spiritual life. Nothing outside of you, nothing material, nothing that you can actually hold in your hands. It's something in your heart and it can only be satisfied. It's a hunger and a thirst that can only be satisfied in the pursuit of a spiritual life. There is a void. There is a void. Genesis begins with this, this image of God speaking into a void, a nothingness, this space. And as he speaks into the space, life is created. And there's something about facing the void, something about facing the space within us so that new life can be formed. Creation can spring forth. And we're going to do that in this series. We're going to explore the void in every phrase that Jesus says. He gives us this invitation to this full life, but he also reveals the void. He also reveals the unfulfillment 
the spaces that need to be met and acknowledged and faced so that something new and beautiful and redemptive can be birthed. So the kingdom is here and now. The kingdom is eternal. The kingdom is an invitation to a better way, a redemptive way, a more beautiful way, a bigger and more beautiful picture. And the kingdom is yours. The kingdom is yours. The kingdom, the way that you've always hoped to live, the kingdom, the idea of yourself that you've always hoped might be true, the kingdom, the opportunity to restore and redeem and play a part in helping others, the kingdom is yours. And I cannot wait to spend these next 10 weeks on this journey with you.